0: Uh, That song speaks to my heart right there. I need you. Let's just pray. Lord God, Ah, Lord, outside of you there is darkness, God. Outside of you there is no life, Lord God. Lord, it is because of you we stand praising right here, singing songs of praise unto you. God, we didn't always sing these songs. We sung other songs, praising other things. But you have put your song in our mouth because of your goodness, because of us just knowing you and you fellowshipping with us and speaking to us. God, we have a new song in our mouth because we know that we have been set free. We are no longer bound by sin. It's no longer our master that we have victory Your goodness unto us. May the nations, may the world come to see it is you that they're missing. Praise your name, Lord. Help us to see your word. Help us to pray faithfully and truly. Amen. Amen. My brothers and sisters, um man, um, just to give you a little background on me and today and what we're going to talk about, um, I met with Pastor Brian during our weekly meetings, and um I was telling him how man, I was—I thought I was going to be coming out of Hebrews eleven. Oh, I just feels weird. <laughs> Can you guys hear me? I just—I feel it sounds weird. All right. Um And so I—I I, I thought I was going to be coming out of Hebrews eleven because I, I really wanted to to speak on vision, having vision, and. Keeping the, having the right vision because, um, you know, it's New Year's. And so New Year's, what do we do? We have all these New Year's resolutions and we have these goals and these things that we want to do. And so we have these, these visions of things we want to accomplish. And I want to talk about how the, the thing that we want to focus on is eternity. And, and that's how Peter encouraged the church. And, and that's what we see in Hebrews about looking forward to this new kingdom. How Abraham and Sarah, um, how, They didn't receive the promises. They were looking for this new city. These these they were looking for a a city whose foundation and and, and the builder and the maker was God. And so they had their mind focused on other things. And man, I I thought that was the case, but then I I woke up yesterday um my prayer and meditation and um reading Isaiah and, and I ended ended up at Ephesians chapter 3, 14. And I was reading that and I'm like, ah, oh, Lord, we as a church, we need to pray this for one another, pray this over one another. And so like, Lord, maybe I just read this and then we just pray it together individually, praying this prayer over one another. And so um, today what Pastor Brian says is gonna be a little different, is because I'm gonna read this and maybe speak a few minutes, not too long. But then we're going to break off and we're going to pray this over one another. This prayer that Paul is praying for the Ephesians, these Christians. We're going to pray and ask God to do this for us in our own lives. Um, because if anything in this new year, we're going to need this prayer. We're going to want to be filled. We're want. we going, um, going to want to be strengthened in our spirit. We're going to want to have Christ dwell in our heart. We're going to want to have, um, uh, to know the love of God, get our hands around it. We want to be, uh, filled up with the fullness of God and so these are things whatever resolution you have whatever goal you have coming up this new year this needs to be foundational and so I want to just go through this uh, prayer that Paul is praying for the Ephesians and then we'll split off and we're going to pray this over one another and whatever other needs that you have different things I I want you to bring that into the group that you're in and begin to pray over your brother and sister for God to bring it to pass, because as I said before, I've, I've confessed some of the things that I wanted, and you've prayed for me, and God has bring bringing me victory and deliverance. So, um, we have to put it out there, put it out there in prayer, put it out there so our brothers and sisters can pray for us, and let's expect change and deliverance. So, that, that's what I want to do today. Just go through this prayer and briefly just talk about it so you get a context or an understanding of it, and then we pray it over one another. And so, um, I remember last year when I was doing the New Year's message. Uh, yeah, that was last year, man. It feels like a long time ago. It was last year, and um, last year the it was about uh, it was from Philippians three seven through fourteen, and I was talking about it. Paul, the apostle Paul, had a New Year's resolution. I believe that his New Year's resolution every year in that year was just to be to know him more. To go deeper in Christ, just to know him. He would just want more of Jesus. And so that was that is what I think Paul, that would be his number one New Year's resolution. It's just to know him, to get more intimate with him. And so today, if there was a New Year's prayer, you know, we have different New Year's prayers, prayers that we want God to do and, and work in our lives on the New Year's. If there was a New Year's prayer that Paul would make, um, I believe this would be. Paul's New Year's prayer or something to that extent and so that is why I want us to read it and go over it and and pray over this with one another so let's read it Ephesians 3 excuse me 14 through 19 it says this this is Paul writing to the Ephesians formerly pagans heard the gospel and now are serving the Lord It says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man or the inner person, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. And then in 20, just to throw this in there, Paul goes into just this doxology. He just, I, I love this because this is in the middle of a letter. Paul is not even done. In the middle of a letter, he just jumps into this spontaneous praise. Just when he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul just in the middle of his letter, he's not even done. Still more chapters to go. Paul just said, I just got to praise him. Just got to give him glory. Just praise for these Ephesians in the middle of his letter. And so in this prayer, we see that Paul, he starts off in in 14 by giving us the, the posture of prayer. In 14, he starts off by giving us the posture of prayer because he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. So what is Paul showing? He's shown us the posture of prayer. He's saying, I'm coming down on my knees. He's given us the posture of humility. Paul is making himself low. See, this is not the, the common way that people would pray during the first century. During the first century, they would often pray standing up. That is why you have, for example, in, in Mark uh, 11, 25, when Jesus is teaching his disciples about prayer, he says, whenever you stand praying, he says, forgive, and if anything is um, if you have anything against anyone, then he goes on and on and explains that. But he starts by saying, whenever you stand praying, because prayer was something that they would do standing up. Or you can think about Luke 18 with the Pharisee and the tax collectors. It talks about them going to the temple and both men are standing in prayer. So that was the the, the common way that people would pray. They they would stand in prayer, but we see Paul, he's he's using this body. To conform with the humility of his mind to come to God in prayer. He's using his physical body to show the humility of his mind, saying, God, it is you that can do things. It is you I'm coming to. So he's using his body to show the submission of his mind and humility. And this reminds me of, of, of Orthodox Jews. Many Orthodox Jews, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the Hasidic Jews, when they pray, they do this thing called shuckling. And you'll see them praying, and when they're praying, they're rocking back and forth. I don't know if you've ever seen that. If you've ever seen different images, they're they're going like this when they're praying, and, and the reason they do that, um, is because, um, they they believe at least some of them that the Torah, it, it lights a flame in the soul. That's what they believe. When when a person is praying and uttering one word of the Torah, the Old Testament, it's lighting a flame into the soul. And so they, when, when they're rocking back and forth, they're saying that their soul is being flamed like a candle as they pray to God. They're putting their whole body into this prayer, so they're swaying back and forth, saying that my soul is being lit by Your Word, God, by me praying to You. So I'm I'm using all of me to show this. And they also believe that this swing also was a, a way to increase the spiritual intensity to help the, the believer engage in a conversation with God. So they would use their whole bodies to represent how they're feeling and what this word is doing. And so we see that here with the apostle Paul. He is, he is bending down on his knees and I'm going to the father on behalf of you, Ephesians, and, and I'm praying to the father. It says from whom every Family in heaven and earth derives his name. So Paul is recognizing in here who he is speaking to. See, see when he says every person, um, he gives the name. He's talking about, see, when me and my wife had kids, we named those kids. That shows that we have an authority and a power. So so since we all come from God, he is our creator, Paul is saying, that is the person I'm praying. What he's showing is that when you come to the Lord, you're not coming willy-nilly. You must know who you're coming to in prayer. Paul is, is recognizing the gravity who I'm standing before. It's like he's recognizing I'm at the throne of God and, and I'm before you, God. And So I'm, I'm recognizing who I'm humbly submitting myself to in prayer. So to show us is this this humility, where he recognizes that this is the God that created the universe, this is the God that created stars and and planets and 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 and, and animals, and, and he said, "I'm going now before Him, and I'm going to speak to this God who made all of these things." So he, he's recognizing who he is speaking to, and and oftentimes in our prayer, I believe we just kind of rush in, Lord God, will You help me do this? Da, 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 da. It's like, are you realizing who you're talking to right now? Do you realize you're talking to the, to the God, the creator of the universe? No, I must come with a reverence, a, an awe, a a fear of who I'm speaking to when I'm bending down in humility, bringing my petition before the Lord. That's kind of like why why Jesus in in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 9, 16, when when he starts off his prayer, he says, Our Father who is in heaven, he's letting you know this is who you're talking to. You're talking to the God who is in heaven. And he says, hallowed be your name. Set apart be your name. He wants us to recognize who we are speaking to in prayer. Have a a reverence and and an awe for this and so we see that that is happening here with the with the apostle he he is showing us this reverence that he has for god he he recognizes who he's speaking to and so he, he says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory see whatever god does it comes from his glory, basically. He created us from his glory. Paul is like saying, God, reach in your bag of glory and, and grant this prayer because whatever you do is going to show your glory. So when God answers a prayer, there should be glory and praise from us unto him. Because it's coming from his glory. It should be something while we're, we're praising God because you heard my prayer, this God who made it all things. And and now you you've done this thing. So when you when you move, I'm going to give you great glory and praise. That's what uh glory is. It's to praise, it's it's majesty unto God, it's honor that we're bestowing to the Lord. And so Paul is saying, God, will you reach in your glory? And what is his first prayer petition? What's his first request? He says that. You, uh he says, according to the riches of glory, to be strengthened with power to the spirit in the inner man or the inner person. So that is Paul's first prayer for these Ephesians, these Ephesians that know the Lord, who who know God, who who've been made alive, as it says in chapter two, who were dead in their sins, who have been born again. Paul is still praying because you can never do this enough. He, he's praying that God from your riches, may you strengthen my brothers and sisters in the spirit, in the inner person, because the natural man is going to fall away. It is an inner person who's going to last and reside forever. So he's praying, God, will you just strengthen my brothers and sisters in the inner person, the, the spirit? Because that's where strength needs to be made. Some of you are saying, why does he ask this, though? Why is he asking for strength in the inner person? There's other things that he could be praying about, yes, but he's praying for strength in the inner person. See, the reason that he's praying for strength there is because outside of the Spirit of God, guess what? That inner person inside of you is this little weak, sickly, easily tempted, easily angered, easily prideful, pathetic little thing. Because of the fall of man, because of the curse outside of the spirit of God in our natural man, in our natural state, that inner person is this little weakly, sickly little thing. And some of you are saying, oh, "What are you basing that off of, Jerome?" I'm basing that off of Romans seven. This is one. Of the, we're going to go to two texts today. This is one of them. Go with me to Romans seven. The next, Romans. Romans 7, 22 to 23. Look what he says here. This is the Apostle Paul, the famous Romans 7. I know different people have different interpretations on what who's the person. Is this Paul in his old state? Is this the believer now? So let, let's just dig in here and see what the scripture's saying. Look what he says here in 22, he says, for I joyfully concur, I joy, joyfully concur with the law of God and the inner man. So we got the inner man, he says in this inner person, this inner enemy, inner I joyfully agree, I concur with the law of God. Look what he says in 23 though, but I see a different law in the members of my body, my natural man, this body, guess what it's doing, it's waging war against the law of my mind. Who's winning this war then? Is it the spirit? Is it the inner man? Or is it this law of sin that's inside of your body? He says, making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. So, so what do we see here? Paul is saying I have this little this inner person inside of me, and I, I rejoice in the law of God. I, I want to do His wills, but because this inner person in me is so weak, it often gets overtaken and imprisoned by the natural body, by the natural person, by my sinful nature. So Paul is describing how weak we are outside of the Spirit of God. That we have this this inner person inside of us. That is so weak that when, when when the natural person rises up, it just taken hostage and held prisoner and overruled. See, this is why when you look back over your life at some of the mistakes you made, you look back and you say to yourself, How did I fall for that? Right? How did I make that mistake? How did I fall for that no good man? Or how did I fall for that no good woman? Because our inner person, our inner being, that person was weak and easily swayed by a cute smile or the dimples or the money or the power, et cetera, because that person inside of us in our natural state is easily tempted to go and do the things that are not of God. That is how we do that. See, it is not only until chapter 8 that the person in Romans 7 begins to get victory, because in chapter 8, the Spirit of God now takes work in his life. And because the Spirit of God, he is no longer in bondage to this natural person or, or this natural thing that had him in prison. See, it is only until he encounters the Spirit in the inner man, that he begins to get victory. So that is why Paul is saying, I am praying for your inner person, that God, by his spirit, may strengthen you. That is the person, that is the thing that brings about victory. That is where we need strengthened. So you got to ask yourself, you're coming into this new year. You You have different things that are on you. How are you going to get victory in your life? Paul said, you need to be strengthened in your spirit. Yes, there's a a lot of things you can do. There's a lot of practical things you can do. But it's going to start with first you praying and asking God, strengthen me in my spirit. Strengthen me in the inner person. Strengthen me there. That's where the battle is at. Strengthen me here. See, if you're looking for victory and some of the errors in your life, it's got to start praying, God, just strengthen my spirit in the inner man. Strengthen me by your Holy Spirit. Come inside, Lord God. Make me powerful to to fight against this this war. Because He goes on later and talks about the the spiritual war that we are in. It's to rest in God's spirit. It's to rest in God's power. So you're gonna need to pray this over your own lives, over one another as we get together. God, strengthen me in this inner person. Strengthen me there. let we go back to our main text, Ephesians. We see Paul's praying that the Ephesians are are strengthened in the inner person, the Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, and that has got to be our prayer. Our prayer has to be to God strengthen us in this inner person to be filled up with your spirit, not just to possess the spirit, but to be filled up. Because there is a difference between just having the spirit and being filled up with the spirit. For example, you can tell when a person has been filled up with liquor, right? When When a person has been filled up with liquor, they don't have to tell you I've been filled up with liquor, right? guess what? It's coming out of their pores. You smell it as they walk by. You can tell in the way that they talk. You you can see it in the way that they think, that they are filled up with something. They didn't just have a little bit, but they are uh, filled to the brim of whatever this drink that they have. See, that is how we have to be in the Spirit. That is our prayer, that Holy Spirit, that you actually fill me up to... Whatever you say comes out of me, it's coming out of my pores, it's, it's coming out in the way that I walk, it's coming out in the way that I talk, that is praying, God, for your spirit to strengthen me, empower me, and fill me with your spirit, God, so that I can go forward this next new year in your power, in your ways. We see that in, in, in Acts 4.8, for example, with Peter, the scripture says that Peter was filled Filled with the Holy Spirit or Acts thirteen nine, the, the scripture said that Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. That is something we wanna Sorry about that. That is something that we uh this is bugging me, sorry. Uh wanna pray for is that the, the Spirit of God fills us this new year, this time. And so Paul here going from praying and petitioning to the God on behalf of the Ephesians to be strengthened with power in the inner man, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. But Paul, these are Christians already. Christ is already dwelling in their heart. Why are you now praying? For these Ephesians to have Christ dwell in their heart when you already just said in in chapter two that they have now come alive in Christ and they are new. Why are you now praying that Christ may dwell in their heart through faith? See, it's it's the word faith. That he may dwell in their hearts through faith. And as you and I know, guess what happens in our life? Our faith. Guess what? Our faith is like this sometimes, right? Right. Our faith is bumpy. There's days that we're up and we're super strong in the faith. We're super there. We're, we're ready to just go share the gospel with anything, anybody, any person. And there's times when our faith is low. So Paul is here. He's praying for their faith, that their faith may be strong to have Christ dwell there in their hearts. Because the faith is the thing that's not consistent. That's the thing that's constantly bumpy. So he, he's praying that they are str- they are strengthening in the spirit in the inner man so that they may keep their faith in having Christ dwell there in the heart. See, it, it's that. It, it's this faith element. That's what he's praying about here, that Christ is still dwelling there, that they're strong in spirit, being strong in spirit, that is leading to a strong faith where Christ may dwell in the heart. Strong spirit, strong faith, Christ dwelling in the heart. So he's praying for this among the Ephesians, that Christ may dwell in the heart. And that's another prayer point, number two, when you get together with your brothers and sisters here, pray, Christ, may you dwell in their heart richly. May you move in their heart. May you come and occupy their heart and reside and direct their ways. That's what we want to pray for one another, as Paul is praying here for the Ephesians, that Christ may dwell in the heart. And as Christ is dwelling in the heart, Paul moves on and he says that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breath, length, height, and depth. Being rooted and grounded. So Paul is using, he's using, uh agriculture first, he says, like a root, right? That's the lowest you can get. That's the loop. Then he goes to another word, which is architecture. That's the foundation. So he's saying, I want you to be rooted. I'm praying that you are rooted and grounded. What? In love. Rooted and grounded in love. So what is he praying? That love is the foundation of everything you do. Love being the foundation. See, you can't go anything lower than the root and the foundation. That is at the bottom of who we should be as believers. That is the bottom of who we should be as followers of Christ. Love. Why? Because the one that is dwelling on our heart is by definition love. So what comes out of us as followers of him should flow from a place of love because that is the foundation of who we are. That's the bottom of what we do. It's it's out of love. And so he's praying here that love, that you're rooted and grounded in love. And in this one verse, we're seeing gospel work, as I call it, in this one verse about being rooted and grounded in love. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. As I look at my own life and I look at the state of Christendom, sometimes we have relegated the gospel so far to only mean personal salvation, a vertical thing, And we forget that the gospel also includes the reintroduction of love back into the world. Yes, it's a personal sanctification, it's personal salvation, but the gospel also includes the reintroduction of love back into the world. See, this is what I mean by that. When you read in the Old Testament, right, that's what we're going to be doing as a church. As you read in the Old Testament, what you will find is that the children of Israel, their problem was, yes, they were going after false gods. Yes. They were doing, they were breaking the, the laws and the commandments. But some of the other things that they were doing is um, their their love grew cold for one another. Their love grew cold for people. Their love grew cold for the poor. Their love grew cold for the widow. Their, their love grew cold for the stranger. There was a lot of unjust things they were doing. There was a lot of unjust gains. And so that was also part of why God had separated, why there was a separation. See, love had disappeared. Love was gone, and, and that is why you have verses like Isaiah 58. I want to read this to you. This is the only last verse we're going to. If you want to go there with me, I'm going to Isaiah 58. I just want to show you this. 58, 6 and 7. And we'll hit it once we go to us a church. But as you read through the Old Testament, you're going to see that their problem wasn't just chasing after false gods. Their issue was they had a love problem. And they were doing some shady things and that's what God was mad about. And so look here in Isaiah 58, 6 and 7. You're going to see he's talking about the children of Israel. They, they like to fast and give this honor to God. And God is saying, the type of fast that I really want to see is this. And he says, it's not it's not the fast which I chose to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. He says, is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide your, yourself from your own flesh? And look what happens in verse eight. Look what happens next. I'm going to just stop there. He says, then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will be speedy and spring forth and your righteousness will go before you and the glory of, of the Lord will be your rear, your rear guard. Just one more. Then you will call, um, Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and I will say, here I am. What is he showing us? That part of their problems, that their love grew cold. That is why Jesus in the gospel makes love such a big issue. So why he's telling us that the share our cloak to be loving, to care for the stranger. that's why we have verses like the Good Samaritan love grew cold so with Christ coming back in, he not only reconciles us to, to the Father but he reintroduces love, this love that had grown cold back into this earth and now he's still doing that through each one of us as he sits on our heart and direct, uh, and guides and directs our heart. see he's still operating and bringing his love through each one of us as we live and keeping his words. So we see there that love is going to be the foundation. Let me get back to our, our verse, Ephesians 3. Paul is saying that they are rooted and grounded in love. And now in 18, I, I want to just say this and throw this out there. This is one of the, this is a highly debated, uh, debated verse in 18 that we're going to look at. And the reason it's highly debated is because of this. I'm going to read it to you, 18. He says that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breath, length, height, and depth. And look what happens in 19. And to know the love of Christ. Notice that Paul says the breath, length, height, and depth, but of what? He doesn't say what the breadth, height, and depth of love is. Some commentators say, oh, what Paul is describing The temple that is going to be made of Jews and Gentiles, which he just did in chapter two. That's what he's describing, the breadth and depth that you may be able to understand the breadth and depth of the body of Christ. But most commentators, including myself, uh, believe that Paul is referring to the love of God here. And that's because preceding this verse, you have love being spoken of, being rooted and grounded in love. And then in 19, he talks about the love of Christ. And so what Paul is saying here, he's saying that he wants us to grab a hold of the magnitude, the hugeness, if you will, of the love of God. And not only to grab a hold of this love, but in 19, to know it, to know the love of Christ. See, in this word that he uses here, comprehend, comprehend it has it, it's a greek word that it, the greek word uh, katalambano, and it means to lay a hold to seize so it's not just to, to think, but it's to grab something. If I'm trying to grab something and make it mine, to make it my possession. So Paul is saying, I want you to try to get your arms around, if you will, the love of God, the breadth, the depth, the width, the height of it. it. It is so large. It's something that you can't do. But I, I want you to try to seize it and grab it and to make it your own. And I'll, not only do I want you to try to seize it and grab it and to make it your own, but in 19, I want you to actually know it. I want you to grab it to seize it to make it your own and then he says I want you to know it to know the love of Christ and so that's what Paul is saying I want you to grab it and to know it to the point that it leads you to being filled up with the fullness of God that is the prayer that Paul is praying for these Ephesians that have already come to know Christ He's praying that they're strengthened in the inner person by the Holy Spirit. He's praying that Christ dwells in their heart. He's praying that they will grab a hold of and know the love of God in Christ. And he's praying that they will be filled with the fullness of God. If this happens to you, you will have a great new year. So this is why. Together as a church. We're gonna to get together and pray these things over one another. Paul was doing it for the Ephesians, so we can get this together and pray for this over one another. We can get together, and it's what we're gonna do in smaller groups, and whoever it is, it's gonna start it off. Begin praying this over your brothers and brothers and sisters. Lord God, I pray that you just strengthen whoever I'm holding, strengthen them in the inner person by your spirit with power, that they can fight against the ways of the enemy, that they can go forward in your will. Lord God, uh, Christ, dwell in their heart greatly. Let them know and feel your presence. See, dwelling in the heart is God's presence being there. God, let them feel your presence as they go forward in this new year. God, let them grab a hold of the magnitude of the love that you have for them, God. Let them see it and know it. Lord God, let them be filled up with all the fullness of who you are, that they are intimately knowing. You see, this is what we want to pray. This is how we walk in victory. This is how you overcome. It's the prayer of the believers, praying and coming to this God. Remember who we're coming to when you get together. Remember who you are approaching. We're coming with a humble heart. We're coming in, you know, asking God to do this work. As my brother Paul was doing on behalf of the Ephesians, he's interceding for them. So let's get together and intercede see for one another. And after you finish this prayer here, open up. Tell your brother or sister some other things maybe you're dealing with so that they can pray for you on that. And begin praying for people maybe that you know, family members. Begin praying for our country. Begin, begin praying for whatever God has placed on your heart. So let's do that. So how are we going to do this going forward? I mean, today, we're going to have this group right here. We have my mom, Esmeralda uh Javier, you guys can get together somebody starts it off begin praying for this figure out what they other things that they want prayed about pray for that over them and then we'll have uh this crew on this the rest of you guys on this side to come together and you guys can pray for this and over here we'll have Fernando um uh, Eduardo and I'm sorry I don't know your guess hope awesome awesome man hope. Alright, you guys can come together and, and begin praying. And you have me, Young, Josie, um, and Layla. You guys can come together. And then we have the four back there. Pastor Brian, Debbie, Jordan, and Judy. And you guys can begin praying. I'm going to start praying just for the whole group. And then, um, if you want, after you're done praying, you can go with somebody else and you guys can begin praying for one another. The same things. Let's go in prayer. Let's pray because we're not going to be together with each other this New Year's, right? Normally, many churches, they'll come together on New Year's Eve and they'll stay up to midnight and they'll pray together and pray about the next year and what's happening in the church. We're not doing that. So let's do this now. Let's take the opportunity. Let's pray for the church that we stay unified, loving one another, that we stay on mission together, that God allows us to disciple to bring in souls. This is a time of prayer. We're going to the Lord and we're believing. So let's let's get together, if you will.